good morning so far. Um, I just want to pray before we start looking at the word. And um, just before we pray, I just want you to just close your eyes and consider who we are about to speak to. Sometimes we can just rush in and speak to him. But I was just really struck by that song, Behold Him. Behold Him. He is holy. He is so holy. You know, we have joined in this morning with millions of angels singing holy, holy, holy. Let's just consider him for a moment. He is high. He is bigger than anything you can think of. He's bigger than you think he is. And we get to speak to him and he listens to us. He knows you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows everything you've been through. And we get to speak to him. And he hears us. That blows me away. Lord, we come to you. Makers of, maker of the heavens and the earth. And we just declare our love for you this morning. How can it be that we can be called children of God? Only by your grace, only because of the sacrifice of the Son. Jesus, glorious Son, glorious King of kings and Lord of lords. We worship you. We adore you. Our worship hasn't finished. Lord, we want to keep seeking you. We want to hear from you. Lord, I pray, come. As I speak this morning, just come and speak to us, each of us, as individuals and as a church. You are glorious. Be glorified, Lord, this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wow. What a great start to the morning and what a great start to the year we've had so far. We've had Alpha start. We've had some biggest numbers we've had at Alpha um, for a little while. We've had, including the team, we were getting over 30 uh, on a Wednesday night. Um, Adam's done really well over the last couple of weeks, hasn't he, with the vision and mission? Have you enjoyed that? Are you getting behind that? Are you excited by that? I mean, he was really ill the first week when he did that. He did really well, you know. Yeah, I'm being complimentary. This is unusual. Don't worry. There's some other stuff I've got lined up later on. Are you excited for what lays ahead? He talked about, didn't he, the gospel ringing out across Seven Oaks, making more room for gospel opportunities in both services and other endeavours, as we go weekly in May for the four o'clock service. As that grows and as the 10am service grows, there'll be other opportunities to start more hope congregations within Seven Oaks and beyond. It sounds exciting, doesn't it? We can all get behind a vision like that. But how's it going to happen? Well, let's pray and see what happens. Well, yeah, that's a start, but let's seek God. Let's seek God in where he wants us all to play our part. God is after a devoted people. He says in his word to seek first his kingdom. 
In Matthew 6, 33, he says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom of God. Last week, Adam looked at the parable of the mustard seed. If you haven't heard the last two weeks, I would encourage you to listen to them online. Very good. It's really important if you're going to be part of Hope Church that you listen to that. Both last week and the week before. Last week was good. I heard it twice. And it was good both times. But he spoke last week on the parable of the mustard seed. He talked about the kingdom is coming and ever-expanding. The church is growing all over the world. Hopefully, if you were listening, that's what you learned last week. Something that starts off small with a mustard seed, but grows beyond our imagination. He looked at, you know, except in Europe. The stats would tell us the church is in decline. But even within Europe, the church is flourishing. Even in the UK, I know lots of churches in London that are growing. Recently, I was at a New Ground leaders meeting. Um, New Ground is the family of churches that we belong to. And they were all talking about um, an increase in attendance of their carol services over Christmas, increase in attendance in their church, on a Sunday morning and other services, and an increase in attendance to Alpha and other events where people are interested. The church is growing. His kingdom is coming. It's ever-expanding, and we just have to jump in. But us as a people, we need to be seeking him, be devoted to him, ready to sacrifice our lives, our comfort, to be part of this calling. What does it mean to seek his kingdom? To come under God's kingdom? Being a Christian, part of being a Christian, means to enter into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And being under God's rule and reign for your life. It's a transaction. You go from being your own king over your life and you're into a new dimension. You're out from under your own rule because, you see, you are either your own king or God's your king. He calls the shots in your life, or you do. Where do you sit this morning? See, when you become a Christian, you go from one dimension to another. It's a new birth. You are born again. It's more than just I decided to believe one day and then started to go to church. It's more than that. If there hasn't been a change in you, if there isn't stuff that you don't struggle with in this book, then you're probably not reading it. To be a Christian isn't to adopt a moral code or a set of philosophies. In Colossians 1, it says, You have been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. There has to be a change of authority, because power, there's a power that's come within you. If you dismiss some things that you don't like in this book, you know, I believe most of it, but there's some things I don't like and I just ignore those well, then you're not under authority. You're under your own authority. 
Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians says, the kingdom does not consist of word, but of power. He also says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. There is power involved when you become a Christian, when you enter into that kingdom. You feel the internal struggle. Stuff changes within you. Stuff is happening when you are born again. It should happen when you are born again. I've seen three people born in this life. Brought into this life. Three people. And let me tell you, it wasn't a picnic. (laughs) It wasn't all sunshine and flowers. It was blood and guts. And my wife, she doesn't make a fuss. She's hard, my wife. She's harder than me. She had no pain relief through both, all three children. She even apologised, actually, halfway through two of them. She said, I'm very sorry about this noise that I'm making. But something happens when you are born, like in the natural. There's a struggle. Last week, Adam looked at two parables about what was happening to the kingdom and where it was going. It was expanding. And it was appropriate to time where we were going as a church, where we are going. And this week, I just wanted to look at another two parables further on in Matthew 13, verse 44. So if you have a Bible, grab a Bible. Matthew 13, verse 44 to 46. Thank you, Matt. Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. The kingdom here is described as something of great value. When the man comes across it in the field, in his joy sells everything he has to get that treasure. I've often heard it described as the free gift that costs you everything. The kingdom of heaven, in its full context, is the reign of God and Christ triumphing over everything that stands between you and everlasting life. It comes in and we need to treasure it. It's salvation, it's reconciliation with God. The work of Christ, because of the kingdom of God, is the rule of God to save us. And to save us is to bring us from destruction and into the enjoyment of Christ forever. The main point here is not that the kingdom can be bought, but that it costs everything we have and it is totally worth it. The kingdom of God is so valuable that losing everything on earth but getting the kingdom is a happy trade. And that is the main point. I could just end there. But, I'm not going to. The Apostle Paul, 
says the same thing in Philippians 3. It's what I spoke on last time. It says in Philippians 3, verse 7 to 8, I count everything as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. In the parable, the man sells everything so that he can have the kingdom. In Philippians, Paul suffers the loss of all things so that he can gain Christ. They are the same. My point here is not that you buy the kingdom or you barter for the kingdom or negotiate for the kingdom. The kingdom is received without pay, like a poor child, not a rich businessman. Jesus says in Matthew 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says in Mark 10, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Matthew 10, you received without paying. So the point here in Matthew 13 and Philippians is that the people who receive the kingdom treasure it more than anything else. You don't buy it, you get it freely. It's a free gift of his grace. Hallelujah. What amazing. You get this freely bestowed on you when you accept Christ as Lord and Saviour, that he died on the cross for your sins and he rose again three days later, conquering sin and death because death could not hold him and the grave could not contain him. And God wants you to treasure this because apart from him, you cannot earn it. You can't pay for it. Everything else he knows will ultimately disappoint you in this life. That's why he says to his people, you shall have no other gods before me. This is why you shall prize the kingdom more than you prize anything else in this life. The point of selling everything in this parable is to show you where your heart is. Where's your heart? Jesus is always seeking his disciples to say, where is your heart? That's what he's after. Matthew 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's always after the heart. And I pray that as we seek God to take him on his word, as he looks to pour the lost and the broken into this church, that's what he said he will do. He will pour the lost and broken into the church. It will be as God makes us real in our seeing and savouring Christ and his saving work on the cross, savouring that above all else. The goal and the vision A mission of the church for bigger is so that we see many, many, many people come to know Christ. To see his name glorified in this town and in this district and in this nation. We don't just want a big church for big sake. We want it because we want to see his name glorified and we want to see the lost and the broken come in and receive the kingdom. You remember praying for empty chairs? If you've been here for a little while, we often prayed for empty chairs. Well, we're starting to see some of the chairs fill up. But he, he, he wants to do more. I 
think he wants us to buy more chairs. Well, we're going to buy more chairs, Jane, aren't we? But he is doing what he said he will do. And church, if we carry this in our very being, if we love Christ as our highest treasure, if we love people the way he did, ready to lay down his life, even for his enemies, then we will labour to spread a passion for Christ to as many people as we can. If we have a passion for Christ, fully grasp as much as our finite minds can, who he is and what he has achieved on our behalf, people will see it. People will be drawn in wanting to know more. When people see that we take God seriously and not ourselves, a friend of mine, Norman, Kate's dad, actually, who held her hands in the dream, he always used to say, take God seriously and not yourself too seriously. When he sees that people see that we take God seriously and the word of God seriously, we want to worship him with all that we are, that really speaks to people. When they see how much we love each other, wow, they really do community. They share one another's lives. I think in Western cultures, people have drifted so far from what was originally intended. To live and share life with one another. That's what we see in the early church when we look at Acts, don't we? They, they shared their lives with one another. Not to just go and do church on a Sunday and maybe on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and then we go home and close the door, but we are to share our lives with one another. There's a clear direction from Jesus on how to reach unbelievers. In John 13, he says to his disciples, by this people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We can have, and we do have, lots of great events and we have Alpha, which is fantastic, but actually Jesus says, if you just learn to love one another, that's what will speak to people. These are good things. I love Alpha and the events that we do. And actually, our, our lunch afterwards is us trying to do community together. Please stick around. Don't eat the cheesecake. So. <laughs> but we're here to do community with one another. And that's what should speak to people as they come in. That's what will speak to people. That's Jesus' promise. He says, when he sees how you love one another, that's what will speak to people. Not, let's just keep our own private little lives and speak to some people on a Sunday. But no, let's share our lives. Let's share one another's burdens. Unity is important as we go forward. He calls us to make disciples. That's why Jesus came. He says that's what he sent us to do, to go and make disciples, draw more and more people into the everlasting, all-satisfying experience of knowing and treasuring Christ. We are to share this joy that we have when we've sold everything, to share the joy. Don't keep it to yourself. Hoarded joy, when we keep it to ourselves, rots. But when we share joy, it increases. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? When you've got good news, you want to share it, don't you? Joy increases when we share it. Let's share this joy that we have. And we think sometimes Jesus has just invited, has come into our life to make it better, to know God, 
Maybe that's where you're at this morning, to have your sins forgiven. Yes, that's true, but he wants to do so much more through you. And I mean you, every one of you. He wants to do so much more. We start by inviting him in, but then he starts to change things, doesn't he? I know that was the case with me. I started to believe, and then things started to happen inside. I started to think differently. I started to feel different. He started to give me a bigger vision for my little life. He wants to give you a bigger vision for your little life. Be drawn into what I'm doing. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis from the book Mere Christianity. He says, Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right. He's stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably. And it doesn't seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one that you thought of. He's throwing up a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace and he intends to come and live in it himself. Lift up your eyes to what he's doing. Be drawn into his kingdom. See what he wants to do in your life. Be part of what God is doing at Hope Church. He intends to come and live within you. Let the Holy Spirit guide you into all that God is calling you into. Be part of his mission. Be part of his glorious body, his church. You might think, well, I I don't know how to. I don't know what to do. Can I just say, just step up and be willing. You might not feel particularly called to do something, but let's just try. That's what I I did. I, I just tried things. Just give it a go. There's lots of areas that... We will need people to just step up as this church grows, as we go weekly with two services. Hey, if you're not in a connect group, join one. Get involved, offer to help. Kids work. No, we had over two services, over 42 children in our kids work last week. That's amazing wasn't that long ago we were having 10 or so 42 kids over two services it's a great opportunity to share God it's a great mission field with 42 people little people it's funny I have conversations with lots of you and lots of people will say I'll do anything but I don't want to do kids work but it's a fantastic opportunity to share the gospel with small people. You are sowing seed into lives, and it is vitally important. I just want to honour our kids' workers. I want to honour Andy's at the back. He leads our kids' work. Andy, can you just stand up for a minute, just so people know who you are? Come on. (laughs) 
And he loves being uh, publicly honoured like that. Um, <laughs> do you want to come up the front? Are you all right? No? Okay. Um, but can I just say, step up. Be willing. If you want to serve in kids' work, go and speak to Andy. You all know who he is now. Come and speak to Andy. And, you know, we've got, we had 42 last week. It's only going to get bigger. So we're going to need more. In the welcome and the teas and coffees, it's so important that we welcome people, make them feel at home. Everyone loves a cuppa at the end, don't they? Well, that doesn't just happen. We need people to just step up and help, be drawn into this. This is not just making tea and getting the, the urns ready. It is part of the mission of what we're doing because as people come in and they feel welcome and they have a nice cup of tea, they think, oh, okay, actually, this is all right, yeah. And people can come in and feel at home and feel welcome and they hear the gospel. This is so important. This is part of what we do. We need people to just take on new believers. You know, our alphas are going to get bigger. We believe that. We felt God speak to us this week. We're going to have to expect bigger alphas. I had this small plan in my mind of doing you know, big alpha in, in January and then smaller alpha in my house in September. No, we're going to have to do both. Two big alphas, January and September. People are going to come through that, so we need people to disciple new believers. We need more people in the worship team. Step up. If you can play an instrument, if you can sing, we're going to have two services. You're going to have an opportunity. We have an events team. There's practical help that needs um, people to chip into. Loads of other stuff. Over the next few weeks, we'll have people step, who will stand up and talk about where they serve and maybe that consider and pray about where you can step up and help. I'm saying these things because I want you to feel this. I want you to own this. Invest your life, your time, and your money in this if you are part of Hope Church. Jesus says in Matthew, if you would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This comes at a cost sometimes to serve, but it is so worth it. It's so worth it. And what happens if God gives us some measure of success in, in this over the next few years? What if 3,000 are added to the church in a day or a week or a year? Where would we put them? Where would we put them for our worship, for our children's ministry? If three or 4,000 were added and wanted to gather to hear the word of God and sing together, where would they put their cars and their babies? Are you ready to put your own comfort, your own likes and preferences to one side to see God move? It comes at a cost. To see new people come in and do the things that maybe we once used to do. I love leading Alpha. I love it. I love doing it. But I would love for someone to come in and do it on a bigger and better scale than me. That hurts to say that. No. <laughs> but it's true. 
But it's true. I would step aside gratefully and gladly if someone could come in and do it on a bigger and better scale. Let's be ready to embrace this. This kingdom comes at a cost. This kingdom expanding comes at a cost. On a personal scale, are you ready to identify yourself as a believer? A follower of Christ in your everyday life? When situations arise, when you could speak up, will you consider the loss of all things? If you're ever afraid to publicly identify yourself with Christ, then what you're really saying is your image is more important than Jesus. You're not willing to sell it all to receive the kingdom. It's the same with your money, your identity, your sexuality, your career. If you're not willing to surrender everything, that one thing you have to ask yourself, have you surrendered You have to be willing to sell everything and live with the the reality of what is to come. We might suffer a little while in this life, but we have to dwell and ponder on what is to come. Paul did that. He would consider it. He would dwell on it. Of, Of your salvation, of one day that you'll be with him forever. If you believe in that day that he will come again, Do you believe in that day? Because if you do, then the selling of everything, then we shouldn't think about it for too long. We see in the second parable of the pearl, the pearl of great value, we meditate on it, see the wonder of it. People are looking for all sorts of pearls in this life. They find other less sort of shiny pearls they think will satisfy, and they settle for these. But we must remember we have in Jesus. Remember what we have. I remember when it first dawned on me, when I became a Christian, it was because I saw Jesus. Not for anything else, but for who he was and for what he'd done, his grace, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness. Because I realized that Jesus had died for me. He had He loves me. He knew me. He knew everything about me. He knew everything that I'd done. And I knew that because he died on the cross, he had forgiven me and I could be in a relationship with God. I had forgiveness for my sins and there had been a lot of them. And it's the same for you today. If you're here this morning, consider Christ. If you don't know him, he hung on a cross for you, so that you could know him. You are separated from him, but because of Jesus, you can come close. We're singing this morning, we are a child of God because Jesus has died and we can come close. So church, let's present him clearly, together and as individuals. It's all about him. Let's be hot for Christ, not lukewarm. God doesn't like that. Surely we will attract people to Christ when we are hot for him, when we look more like him. Not try to just fit this Christianity into our Sundays, but my prayer is for us as a church, be hot for Jesus. Where does that come from? Speaking from a personal point of view, it comes from me spending time with Jesus. 
spent, comes from worshipping him. Uh, not just here, but on, on my own. Can I ask you a question? What are you like when you're on your own with him? When you're worshipping him? It's very easy to stand here on a Sunday and sing and put our hands up. But what are you like when you're on your own with him? Because I, I love to worship him. I want to be with him. I'm not saying I've got all this sus, by the way, and I'm a perfect example, because I'm not. But, but what are you like when you're on your own? Because my personal worship feeds me into my corporate worship. My prayer is, let's be hot for Jesus, not lukewarm. Let us come to you, O oh God, with our hearts full of what you've done. Be ready to sell everything with great joy. Be ready to be used by you. You see, all the, all the stories are true. What we see in the movies, when the displaced king is in place, there is chaos. King Arthur. That didn't quite work, don't worry. <clears throat> king Arthur, Robin Hood, the Lion King. Don't worry, it didn't quite work. But they are the rightful kings. When the right king comes in, when the true king comes in, there is peace and harmony. And when you've got the wrong king in place, there is complete chaos. The pearl of great price, do you have it? Are you willing to pay the price? It's such a tiny price. If I say to you, something that costs £500, is it expensive? You might say, well, Ian, what is it? And I will say, it's a pencil. And you say, well, yes, that is expensive. But if I tell you it's a brand new Bentley, even if you say you don't have a penny in the world, you'll say, I'll be back in an hour to buy it. Do you see? Is, is it expensive? Not at all. It depends on what it is. It's not expensive at all when we give up everything because you gain the whole world. Surrender everything. And there's great joy when you receive the kingdom. That's my prayer, that we surrender everything, commit our lives to this. God is going to do a great work. I am so excited for what God has got for us this year. I'm so excited that when we start to dig into Luke, God is going to start speaking to us. He's going to start bringing people in. Surrender everything so that he can come in. And this pearl of great price you can receive. Let's stand and pray. Lord, we come to you this morning. Lord, help us realise who you are and what you've done. Thank you that because of 
what you have done on the cross, we can enter into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We can receive the pearl of great price. Lord, help us. Lord, not get distracted by all other life's things, stuff gets in the way. Help us see you and what you are calling us to. Lord, come and have your way in our lives. Come and speak to us, Lord. All that you're calling us to. Jesus, have your way. Jesus, have your way. Help us as individuals and as a church, Lord. We want to see your kingdom come and your will be done, Lord, because we want to see the lost saved, the broken come in and receive the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.